good morning and welcome to City Hall um, on this early morning on Saturday. And we really appreciate everybody for coming out. Uh, today is a City Council budget work session. Um, and we're going to be talking about the fiscal one 2021 proposed budget um, here at City Hall. And so um, thanks for everybody that was able to make it to the uh, breakfast on the budget. Really appreciate it. Um, the opportunity to mingle with uh, many of you as well as the other counselors. I'm sure appreciated that opportunity as well. We're going to get started, I think, with Mr. Jeff Ruin, our city manager. Yes, thank you, Mayor, and thanks to, you, to the members of the public and staff for coming out tonight, or this morning. Um, <laughs> 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 a long day. <laughs> we, have, uh, we have about 60 slides to get through in this introductory presentation, so it's going to take an hour, an hour and a half uh, to, to go through this, but hopefully uh, it'll give you a good sense of a, a big picture overview of where we, where we sit with this fiscal year 21 budget proposal. Um, this is a, going to be a, a long day for the council, and I want to thank you in advance for the, the extra time that you're putting in to consider this budget proposal. Uh, you can certainly handle things how you want to. Um, uh, what I have encouraged in the past, and I think what works well, is um, avoid getting too deep in discussions about particular items. Otherwise, you might find yourself here till the, the, the evening hours. Um, but if we can flag those items, uh, we'll, the staff will keep notes, and then we can revisit those at work sessions. Certainly, you can deviate from that if, if you see fit and you want to get it into uh, the specifics of an issue. We can do that. I just caution you, especially early in the day, to, to, to get uh, uh, too deep into those issues. Um, that said, uh, it is important that you have a good understanding of, of what you're going to be asked to approve in March with this budget. So if we're moving too quickly throughout the day with this presentation or with any of the department head presentations, uh, just ask us for clarifications or question, uh, with any, uh, ask us any questions that you have and uh, we'll slow down and back up a little bit. Okay, with that, uh, we're going to get started, and, and uh, I'm going to kick things off, and Simon and Ashley are going to take a few uh, sections of slides as well. So uh, to start with the budget review schedule, uh, up on the screen here, there was a change in the state law uh, this past year that has added a public hearing to the process. So now we have two public hearings. Uh, the first one... Uh, that you will see is on February 4th. Actually, we'll be setting the public hearing on, on February 4th, and that's a, uh, a hearing on the proposed maximum property tax rate. So for you, what's important to know there is uh, really because we have to publish that agenda the previous week, January 28th is, a, is, is the last date in which you can really make decisions that will impact the tax rate. If you want to raise that tax rate, you, you need to know what that maximum level is by the 28th. After we have that public hearing, you can always have a lower tax rate. You just won't be able to go any higher. Uh, so we'll help you through that process. And as you identify issues that you want to talk about today for future discussions, we're going to prioritize ones that may have an impact on that tax rate. The uh, ultimate adoption uh, takes place on March 17th at your council meeting. We'll have a second public hearing at that date and ask you to adopt that. We do have to certify with the county auditor uh, no later than March 31st. Uh, again, with the new uh, state law, one thing I want to mention, um, 
any growth of 2% or more in our uh, revenues requires a supermajority vote of council to approve the budget. And I can tell you in a growing city like Iowa City, we're pretty much always going to have more than 2%. Um, that doesn't keep up with uh, health care, pensions, uh, basic staff ex 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 uh, expenditures. So do know that um, it, it will, unless you want to really scale back our, our operations, it will require a super majority of vote now to pass this uh, budget. Uh, the uh, budget document itself is 684 pages. I applaud you if you got the, even a quarter of the way through that over the holidays. Uh, it is a lot to take in. Um, and what uh, this slide does is hopefully gives you a, key, a few key areas to, to uh, key into as you get into your, uh, your, your review of the budget. The transmittal letter is, is essentially the executive summary. Uh, it kicks off and uh, starts on page 9. We go through some of the economic trends. Those will be many of those will be uh, talked about this morning on page 36. We'll go through fund structure, which is basically how you know what the accounting structure is here uh, with our budget. Some of the financial and fiscal policies. This gets at debts and and how uh, basically how we're uh, using our our funds that we're coming in some of the long-range financial planning, and then the bulk of your discussion will probably be with the general fund. That's, that's where we have the largest uh, kind of discretionary um, abilities is within our general fund. So I'd encourage you to look at that general fund summary. Of course, we encourage you to, over time, look through the entire budget, and staff's always here to help you through any sections that uh, you have questions about. So I do want to get to the fund structure here that's on the, on the screen. Um, the general fund is the first one listed on the top left, and again, that is that funds the most uh, kind of the basic core services that we have. You're going to have your police and your fire and parks and general government in there. That's where we exercise the most discretion, largely property tax funded, uh, and where the council will spend the bulk of your time uh, throughout the year reviewing uh, matters. Special revenue funds is the next kind of column over with uh, the long white list. Uh, these I like to describe as, as pots of money with strings attached to them. Uh, so there's rules for utilizing these funds. Uh, a couple examples would be the road use tax. Those are the, the dollars that the public pays at the, at the pump when they're filling up their vehicle. Those go to the state and the state distributes those to cities. Um, we are restricted in the way we can use those. Okay, those have to go towards uh, road maintenance activities. Uh, so we account for those separate. So each of those boxes are something that we account for separate. Uh, there is one addition this year, which we'll spend some time talking about, I imagine, and that's the use of the emergency levy. Uh, you can see that listed under special revenue funds, and we are proposing uh, the emergency levy to help fund the climate action initiative that uh, council has previously talked about. And we'll get into that a little bit uh, later uh, with this presentation. Working across the top, debt service uh, fund, that's exactly what it sounds like. Those are property taxes that are coming in for the specific purpose of retiring our bonds. Basically, what we've borrowed, we, we levy property taxes to pay those, those bonds off. Enterprise funds are uh, business accounts. Uh, each of these uh, operations you can think of uh, as individual businesses that the city operates, absent uh, a profit motive there. 
So a good example would be your utilities, your water. What we charge in water rates pays for our water operations and our water infrastructure. We don't use property taxes for water, and likewise, we don't use water revenues to pay for parks or anything like that. Uh, and you can see the uh, list of enterprise funds there. Capital projects is something that we'll get into on Tuesday. Those are the major construction projects that we undertake in, 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 a, in a, any given year. It could be roads, parks, public facilities, et cetera. And then an area where you don't spend a whole lot of time is our internal service funds. Uh, these are uh, f funds that just kind of work within uh, uh, our, our department structure. So equipment, uh, for example, each department pays into the equipment fund. That equipment fund then uh, 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 covers maintenance of vehicles and replacements of vehicles. So it's just an internal accounting structure uh, that, that we use in those various areas. Some of the funds are highlighted yellow. They're, those are indicated as major funds. Uh, that's just a, a financial designation uh, based on the, the size of the funds, the assets and liabilities in the fund, impacts the type of audit that, that uh, uh, those funds receive throughout the year. Any questions on how we're, we're structured here? Okay, I do like to always uh, remind the, the public and the council uh, that we're operating in an era of pretty robust growth for Iowa City. So what this slide shows is that uh, from 2010 to 2018, which is the last census uh, estimate that we have, we've added 8,428 uh, residents. And that is more than the previous two decades combined. So if you look at all our growth in the 90s and the, the 2000s and you added those 20 years up, um, that doesn't quite equal uh, what the eight-year census estimate is for this current decade. And that has large implications on our services. And we're going to talk about staffing pressures that we have, and we've talked about those in, in uh, previous meetings as well. Uh, there is a strain on operations throughout the city right now, whether it's call volumes or number of contacts with customers, waste routes, all those things. Um, our staff has had to um, pretty much use the same amount of resources over these, these eight years uh, to, to deliver those services to a, a, a quickly growing population. I added just uh, some, some building numbers for you, some five-year averages to give you a, a, a kind of a sense of what this kind of growth means on the built environment from the residential sector. So last five years, we've averaged 159 new single-family homes and 476 new multifamily units. So those aren't buildings. Those are actually units within the buildings, just to give you a sense of what we've been averaging there. So we kicked this budget session off, uh, the, the budget off on August 20th with you. Uh, we had, uh, the council had a budget uh, work session where we asked for your priorities. And there were a number of topics discussed. This, this list isn't inclusive, but um, these are the six items that we felt there was strong consensus on uh, with, with all members of the, of the city council. And we're going to get into each of these. So there was a, a desire to uh, respond to the climate crisis declaration. Now, at this time, we didn't have the 100-day report, but we anticipated it. Uh, we wanted to uh, continue to match the million dollars that we've done the last three years for uh, affordable housing in the community. We wanted to continue the effort to raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour for our temporary hourly staff. Uh, so this, ref this budget reflects the second step in that to get us to 1325. 
there was a desire uh, to address what I was just talking about, which is to, to try to uh, alleviate some of the strain on operations by investing in new permanent staff. Uh, there was a desire to um, continue to reduce the overall tax rate, recognizing that it would probably be a moderate reduction given some of these expenditure priorities that are mentioned. And then forward-looking, a desire to start thinking about the upcoming transit study recommendations and um, uh, the uh, uh, roadway study uh, recommendations that will be coming out. So uh, this budget doesn't necessarily address those uh, two things, but we're going to get into that a little bit because there are some strategies that, that we could move forward with mid-budget year uh, after those reports come out. So let's start uh, with the, the climate action. Uh, the 100-day report was released in uh, November. The uh, Climate Action Commission that you recently appointed uh, is reviewing that. We expect that that review will, will take another month or so. Uh, that commission will forward their thoughts to you, and we will eventually ask you as a city council to uh, adopt that plan after modifications as you see fit. And then based on however that plan turns out, uh, we will use uh, largely the emergency levy uh, with your approval to fund the activities in that report. Um, the um, emergency levy will generate just under a million dollars at, at 24 cents uh, per thousand, which is what we've re recommended. And you can see in the yellow box there the types of activities that we expect to fund with that million dollars in fiscal year 21. There'll be some education and awareness campaigns, uh, incentives for, for pro uh, property owners to reduce energy consumption or to invest in renewable energy, uh, increased tree uh, planting efforts that could be both public and private. Uh, expanding uh, climate action grants, uh, and these are grants that, that we give to various organizations in the community who um, have a shared commitment to, to climate action. And then continued promotion of alternative transportation, waste reduction, and our natural areas efforts. So um, we don't have a specific breakdown on how we'll use those. We have a general idea, but we want to wait till that report comes out to, to really get detailed. Obviously, we, we think that the uh, just under a million uh, will be needed to fully carry out those short-term uh, activities as were proposed in that plan. Uh, this does uh, this budget does also create the division of climate action within the city manager's office, which was discussed in that report. Uh, there are three positions that would uh, make up that make up that division. Uh, those positions are all existing within the already approved budget, so there's no new staff for this. We're, we're retooling uh, existing staff positions a little bit to uh, make up this um, this division. Moving on to uh, our social justice initiatives, as previously mentioned, this budget uh, has our second step in moving uh, to a $15 an hour minimum wage. Our first step was approved with the current budget, and that got us to $11.50. This move to $13.25 an hour uh, will cost about $275,000 in fiscal year 21. And then looking ahead to next year as we uh, move to $15 an hour, uh, that step will cost about $400,000. Uh, so uh, we, we were able to accommodate step two, and we anticipate being able to accommodate step three should that remain a council priority. 
We've continued funding for the racial equity and social justice grant program, uh, funding for the expansion of Kirkwood Community College's English language learning program, which was uh, discussed uh, last year uh, by council and then uh, some of the, the more routine stuff that we've been doing for several years, which is uh, expanding our translation, uh, expanding our offerings of cultural outreach and training and that sort of thing, and then uh, a, a continued heavy focus on accessibility improvements in the community uh, with our parks and public facilities and sidewalks. Also in social justice, we want to talk, to aid to, we want to talk about the Aid to Agencies uh, program. <coughs> Uh, Council's aware that uh, last year there was a mid-budget increase in the uh, aid to agencies grant program. So I've, highla I've highlighted up here the uh, past support, the general fund support. It, it has been about 250000 plus or minus a little bit since 2010. It's really stagnated since 2010. And that was a large reason for increasing it to 501000 uh, mid-year last year. Uh, when we talked with the council in August uh, about the aid to agencies program, um, there was a desire count, uh, amongst council members to raise the uh, general fund support for the aid to agencies program. Uh, but the, me the, the, the takeaway that I had that, that keeping it at this 501,000 level wasn't uh, necessarily a, a council priority. Uh, so what our budget uh, recommends is uh, moving this up to $345,000. Um, it's, it's a 25% increase in general fund support. Now, if you do the math, it, it's, it's actually a little bit more than that, but we're also shifting, it's kind of getting in the weeds a little bit, but we used to have some of the utility of funds, our water fund, our sewer <coughs> fund, pay for a little of the aid to agency uh, grants. It was about $30,000. It's probably more work internally on the accounting side than than um, uh, needs to needs to take place. So we're recommending just shifting those utility funds to the um, general fund as well. So um, that's why you're seeing a little bit more than 25%. Uh, but um, the the overall impact to those agencies, those legacy agencies and, and emerging agencies that'll be applying for these funds is a 25% increase. Uh, that is uh, just above a 2% inflation factor. So we went back to two, 2010 and applied a 2% inflation factor and, and the 25% increase is a, is a little higher than what that uh, inflation factor would have produced. And we can go back and look at the consumer price index and how if we would have um, targeted that uh, to this uh, this grant program, it would be uh, quite a bit higher than the CPI increases uh, from 2010 to 2021. Uh, so again, 25% uh, uh, council in your information packet, uh, you've seen a letter, uh, MMO from staff indicating uh, that the Housing and Community Development Commission has requested a joint meeting with you to discuss uh, the aid to agencies funding. <coughs> it's safe to say that they, along with the uh, agencies that have relied on these grants, would like to see those funds uh, uh, continue at last year's uh, budget amount or, or mid-year budget amount at that $500,000 uh, range or more. Uh, so they've requested that, and uh, you'll need to decide if you want to try to schedule that meeting before you're making budget decisions um, uh, going forward here. Any questions on that one? I do think that um, 
and I know we're not going to get in the weeds on this at all. I want to uh, really thank you for, you know, going back and doing the 2% inflation, what it would look like. Um, that made a lot of sense and <clears throat> trying to figure out what would it, um, considering all of what council wanted, what could that increase look like and, you know, around the 100,000. So the 25% increase does seem, um, appropriate and logic from the takeaway from the meeting that council had. I think we really should kind of, um, from my perspective, meet with um, and, and just have a conversation about um, what they would like to do. I think it's important for us to listen to them and for us to have a walk away. Um, so that's what I would propose is that council really consider to, to have a meeting with HCDC and we can definitely uh, have greater discussion after that. Sure. We can, we can walk through uh, potential meeting dates maybe on Tuesday when you get into your, uh, your work session. Affordable housing, another priority uh, for the council. Uh, and in July of last year, we gave you, we gave the council an update on, on affordable housing efforts from fiscal year 15 to present when it really uh, rose to the top of the list for the city council. And just as a reminder, more than $10 million of the city has been invested in affordable housing initiatives since 2015. Uh, you can see some of the uh, stats uh, there. We've assisted more than 450 affordable units, and this does not, and this does not include our, our federal program, um, our, our, um, our housing choice voucher program and public housing. Um, we've leveraged nearly $7 million in outside funding because of our strategic um, targeting of low-income housing tax credit projects, and that's that's pretty amazing. As a reminder, uh, the, the bottom half of this slide uh, lets you know what the uh, current council policy is on spending the dollars that we transfer into the affordable housing fund. So uh, this is a million dollar uh, uh, transfer this year, uh, and those funds would be used as described below, 70% to the housing trust fund of Johnson County, 20% uh, of that 70% would be reserved for LIHTC projects. And then 7.5% of funds go to the Opportunity Fund, uh, go to our city's Healthy Homes Program. We have 10% reserved for a new security deposit assistance program that we're working through right now, and a community risk mitigation fund uh, project as well. Uh, those are both kind of in the design phase uh, with several of uh, our social service and governmental partners. 5% continues to be reserved for emergent situations. These are situations in which we have tenants in the community that find themselves suddenly displaced out, outside of the city's control. We at least have some funds to assist them should the council uh, make that determination. From a uh, budgetary perspective, uh, you might recall last year we indicated that we have 650,000 of the of the million dollars really kind of built into the budget, and it should be safe from year to year. And we're actually supplementing that with 350,000 in one-time funds, so we're essentially using surplus dollars from our budget uh, to get to that a million. And and that's important because if if times do get tighter and we don't have as much resources, those one-time funds shrink, and you're really back to that 650. Thankfully, we've had some good um, surpluses over the last few years, and we're able to, to uh, bolster that number up to a million dollars. Roadway investment uh, has Let's been... Give, before you go to yes. the roadway, I, I just would like also here to 
propose that we, we should think about the first view affordable housing that is coming up and if we, I, I know that we don't know now how many houses need to be wider or all this kind of information, but it's really good idea to put money aside just in case if we, if we have interest in the council that we're gonna do this. And I don't know if this, are, you know, this should be in the affordable housing fund so we can like have it later if we want to. Guess uh, if we can have that, discuss that more in work session or something like that. Sure, we can list that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, roadway investment remains a uh, priority for the council. Um, what I want to show here is our, uh, this is our annual resurfacing program. So we're going to talk about two different ways in which we invest in road. Our annual resurfacing program, um, what you, you'll notice those projects, they typically would uh, take a, uh, a layer of asphalt off and replace, uh, replace it with a, a fresh uh, layer of asphalt. That's the majority of the resurfacing uh, that we do. There's also some concrete work that, that happens as well. But we've really had an effort to grow that program. You see down in, in 2014, we were under a million dollars a year in investments in our roads. And, and over years, uh, the council has made that a priority. Um, the uh, current budget uh, that we're in right now sits just over two million, so we've doubled that in in a few years. Uh, this budget proposes a one-time spike uh, of eight hundred thousand dollars. That'll be in Tuesday's discussion. That's a CIP item, but I want to show you that um, it's it's uh, a one-time uh, spike due to again some uh, uh, some funds, one-time funds that we have, um, and then. Uh, we'll drop back down. We're, we projected not not to be able to maintain that level, uh, so we'll drop back down to that 2.1 level or so going forward. Uh, the road use tax fund, we'll get into that a little bit, is not a fund that we project a whole lot of growth in. Uh, it's been pretty stagnant the last few years, and as vehicles become more fuel efficient uh, and um, electric vehicles are introduced, uh, gas prices remain low. All these variables have uh, an impact on how much tax you're paying at the pump, and unfortunately, we just don't see a lot of growth in this in this fund, which is why uh, we're going <clears> to <throat> ask you to think about some alternative revenue sources for roads as we get through this presentation. We have a lot of other road construction projects that we do, uh, and here are some of the major ones uh, that are planned for the next few years. Uh, again, this, this list is not uh, all-inclusive, but gives you some of the highlights. So this coming year, we'll uh, be able to finish the McAllister Boulevard extension to Sycamore. We also have uh, the First Avenue and Scott Boulevard intersection and American Legion Road projects coming up. Those are kind of uh, uh, on the fence right now, whether the bulk of that work's gonna fall in 2020 or get pushed to 2021. And uh, it's likely that some of our 2021 projects will, will get bumped to 2022 as well as we, as we just work through the design challenges there and land acquisition challenges. It's natural that you might get a couple of these to, to fall back down. But you can see there's a, a major slate of roadway projects that are upcoming. Um, these projects that you see here are largely funded by uh, borrowing or general obligation bonds. And as that road use tax stays flat, and our needs for roadway investment increase, you really right now only have the one option, which is to borrow more funds. And, and those funds then are, when we borrow more for roads, that's less that you have for 
public facilities uh, for quality of life initiatives like parks and trails. And we're starting to see that in our CIP, where more and more of our CIP, is our property tax uh, borrowing, is, is dedicated to roadway, basic roadway. And again, uh, that's a little concerning for staff because I think we're eventually going to find ourselves where we, we don't have uh, the same resources available for park improvements, trail, public facilities, and again, some of those quality of life initiatives that, that make our community great. Uh, we do uh, remain committed to our bike and park uh, master plan implementation. Uh, these are some of the highlights uh, for the upcoming year, but we, we track these uh, every year to make sure we're staying on schedule, at least uh, pretty close to on schedule, and I think we've done a, few, a really good job the first few years. Uh, we're completing up some of the larger playground improvements right now at Lower City Park and Willow Creek Park. Uh, coming ahead this year, we have improvements at Weatherby, Fair Meadows, Scott, and Napoleon Parks. And then we have some accessibility improvements uh, at Harlock, Ryerson, Black Spring, and Oak Grove Park, some of our smaller uh, parks. Uh, there's a lot of bike lane projects and bike infrastructure projects that are planned. Those are listed there. I won't go through all those um, unless you uh, have questions, but uh, you'll continue to see an increase in, in uh, painted bike lanes uh, throughout the community. Uh, another council priority, and very thankful that you expressed this as a priority, was uh, changes um, uh, to support uh, staff. And so we'll go through uh, three ways in which this budget uh, uh, supports staff. Uh, the first is that bump in minimum wage. And again, we mentioned that, $13.25 an hour, $275,000 impact to the budget this year. That's an ongoing expense, right? That's not something you commit to once. That's, that's built into the budget, and we'll, we'll continue to move forward going ahead. Uh, last year, the council had extensive conversations on converting temporary positions to permanent status. So that's taking hourly staff and moving them to permanent uh, benefited uh, positions. Um, the fiscal year impact of uh, the council's um, directions as well as one staff addition that we're recommending with this budget is this 272,526. So let me go through those positions. On the green chart up here, these top five positions right here, these are ones that the city council decided to move to permanent uh, uh, from temporary status last year. We did that mid-budget year. With this budget, we're recommending uh, one uh, additional uh, full-time employee uh, move from uh, temporary to permanent. That's in the housing authority. We feel like we have the uh, capacity in our uh, staff uh, funding there uh, to, to bring that position to a permanent status. Um, the ones that remain unfunded from the list that we previously gave council are listed in blue. We have uh, positions at the library, senior center, and uh, recreation, uh, parks and recreation department that uh, we're recommending remain hourly, uh, but have been discussed to be moving permanent in the past. Uh, if you wanted to move all these positions to permanent status, it's about $430,000. And again, uh, there's benefits to doing that. Uh, it's not, um, uh, staff is not telling you that there's not benefits to doing that, but ultimately we have to look to to prioritize these funds. And what we've tried to do with this budget is invest in uh, significant new permanent positions. And that's covered on the next slide. But any questions on this? 
Yeah, could you just tell us exactly how much it costs for salary, not benefit, because and for the benefit of the people, yes, the uh, benefit, it will come from the levy. Can you tell us exactly how much that salary? Yeah, uh, we, we could maybe get that info at a break and, and bring that back. We have it, just not right in front of us. Uh, the bulk of this 430 expense, as you could as you could guess by looking at the FTE equivalents, uh, is that rec uh, operation with seven uh, full-time positions that would be needed. That's about 280,000 total, and we can get you the breakdown uh, again uh, from salary and uh, and the benefit side of things. Yeah, and also like if we for the benefit of even the new council and the public, if you can explain uh, how uh, you know. From where we can get the benefit and uh, the benefit for the positions and the salary, and break it down would be great. So we can exactly have an idea. Sure. Thank you. Okay. The next slide gets at what we're recommending for new positions in this budget. I'll go through each of these fairly quickly. We're recommending one new police officer position, and this is really to to be able to. Con <coughs> continue to have a focus on our data-driven justice initiatives. So uh, most of you are aware of uh, Officer Schwint's work with the DDJI program. Uh, that grant that's been funding his salary for the last few years is expired. We're using the last of those funds. We found incredible value, and I think the community's found incredible <coughs> value. We'd like to, to keep him in that specialty role. Um, but uh, uh, we're going to need a new position to be able to do that. So that's that recommendation. The maintenance worker uh, in forestry, we're recommending two uh, to expand our urban forestry initiatives. These are directly related to the council's climate action um, goals and uh, continued emphasis on, on tree planting in the community. We simply need staff uh, to be able to, to do anything uh, more in the forestry operations. Uh, we're asking for another building inspector position. Uh, this position would allow us to enhance our energy code inspections that take place uh, um, uh, in that division. Uh, also gives us some capacity to transfer some inspections that are being done by firefighters right now over to the NDS department uh, to try to uh, lessen uh, the inspections load on the fire department. Uh, council has already approved the associate planner increase. We had a vacancy in our half-time associate planner, and you've approved moving that to a full-time position. That position's actually posted right now, but is shown in this uh, budget for the first time, this proposed budget. We have a new civil engineer position. I think most of you are familiar with the, uh, the workload on the public works department right now and could really use uh, another engineer to help manage some of those projects and keep them on schedule. Mm -hmm. You've already approved the 0.25 increase in our operations supervisor for transportation services. This gives us a little bit more evening um, oversight in that uh, department. We have a data analyst position for transportation services uh, that, that uh, we feel pretty strongly would, would really help the, the decision making in that uh, operation. Also takes a lot of burden off some of our top level staff. There's a ton of federal uh, data reporting requirements for uh, transit and right now um, our, our director and assistant director spend considerable amount of time uh, just working through data and uh, we think uh, a, a data analyst position could better support uh, uh, th those services. Um, 
this is one example of a position. Again, this is not a general fund position. This is funded by uh, transit and parking. So this is not in competition with, say, police officers or parks employees or firefighters or anything like that. Uh, likewise, our customer service uh, staff, uh, you may or may not know that uh, the, the, what's mostly thought of as our parking customer service staff also handles customer service for the landfill, a refuse, and our transit department. Uh, so increasing um, uh, a point, uh, basically a three-quarter time position there to help with some of the call volume uh, that, that's coming in in those operations. <laughs> Another maintenance worker in parking, again, paid for by revenue generated by our parking decks and meters. Uh, this gives us a little bit more customer service um, abilities in the evening hours. Right now, we just don't have a whole lot of support in the evening hours. And as there becomes issues in decks, we're finding that uh, it's taken us longer and longer to get our employees from deck to deck to help uh, motorists or, or people that may be having some problems with equipment in, in our decks. Council uh, already approved the housing program assistant. This was uh, an opportunity afforded to us because we were successful in getting some more vouchers for the community. Uh, that comes with some staff uh, uh, support as well. So that's been done. And the senior center receptionist has been done as well. And that was kind of tied to the, the temporary to permanent positions there. Uh, as we uh, moved a temporary staff person to permanent, we had to adjust uh, uh, some permanent staff positions as well, and just a, a slight uptick in hours there. Um, so we're looking at uh, nine and a quarter new FTEs in this budget. By far the, the biggest investment in new staff that's been made since I've been here in nine years. I think uh, in, in previous years, uh, certainly early on in my tenure, we were in a reduction mode. Um, the last couple years, we've added one or two or three positions here or there um, as we've been able to. Uh, moving to nine is a significant benefit for this, for this organization. Um, it doesn't really come close. If you were to ask every department head that comes up here today what they need, um, nine's going to seem like a drop in the bucket. I can tell you we had 42 staff requests from departments. Uh, going into this budget, uh, and, and I feel really good about being able to recommend nine. Um, but, you know, I think, I think this is a responsible request. Uh, hopefully, in, in the next couple of budgets, we can continue to add a few more. I don't think we'll probably find ourselves at this number, uh, but if we can get a, a couple more in the, next, in the next few budgets, we'll probably be in a good spot. Jeff, can I ask for clarification on a couple things, what you went through? Yes. You mentioned that some we had already approved. I was just trying to mark them to make sure. Was that the associate planner, the transportation operations supervisor, the housing program assistant, and the senior center receptionist? Yes, it is. Those four we had already approved? Yes. Okay. And would I be correct that the ones that are not coming out of general fund would be the transportation operations supervisor, the data analyst for transportation, the customer service representative, the maintenance worker for parking, and the housing program assistant? That's correct. And the, and the other one I'll, I'll mention is that um, our building inspections operation is funded from the building permit fees that come in as well. So Which one? Um, that would be the building inspector. And okay. we don't consider that part of general fund? No. Um, it's, it's, it's a general fund position, but, but it's, it's financially supported by outside of property taxes. Yeah, it's, it's pretty unique. 
And Jeff, just a quick question, just to clarify again, you sort of touched on it. These recommendations came from departments' heads that felt that they. Yep. Yes, all, all the positions were were recommended by department heads. So we had we had 42 positions uh, that were recommended, and and the 42 positions includes what I covered on the previous slide. It, it includes the temporary to permanent conversions. Um, so we had those positions. Uh, the, the budget team sits down with the, the department heads, and we try to prioritize uh, the best that we can. So. so if it's not on the list, a department head might not have recommended. I'm, I'm thinking uh, uh, from, say, fire. Yeah. Uh, they, they didn't recommend that they Oh, no, they, there was recommendations from fire. Uh, there was a recommendation for a fire inspector position. And what we did, uh, we certainly recognized the, the pressure uh, on the fire department. And we're making some changes um, to try to lessen the inspections demand. So this uh, building inspector position will enable us to take some of the workload off fire and put it in NDS. Uh, the other thing that council recently approved, you may recall that we uh, changed our agreement with the university so that we do not have to inspect their facilities twice a year. We only inspect their buildings once a year now. Those two things will have an impact. It's not the same as having a fire inspector dedicated to uh, those issues, but I think it'll have a positive impact. And what I would like to see is us to go through fiscal year 21 with this new arrangement and see what the impact of both those changes are uh, before we um, give more consideration to the fire inspector position. Looking ahead in the fire operation, uh, you know that we uh, have a purchase agreement on, on uh, property on South Gilbert. Uh, you know that we're actively looking for uh, uh, an east side fire station location. Uh, there will come a time, and this will cover this in our facilities section, there will come a time where council is going to have to look at a major bump in fire service. You're talking 11, 12 staff members in one year to fund a new fire operation. And, uh, you know, that's a million dollar plus uh, easy investment in new staff that will, that will come. Uh, and we're preparing for that on the facility side right now. We're certainly not able to make that investment in, in fire personnel right now. Thank you. Jeff, I just wanted to ask, in the larger budget document, I think the full-time equivalent additional staff number was somewhere north of 14. So I'm just wondering about this um, total of about there. nine and a quarter. Yeah, so yeah. Th that adds this uh, 5.78 Thank here. Thank you. Thank you. And, uh, and then the 9.26. And there was actually a 0.13 reduction in the library as well. We had a library staff position that I believe was... Um, reclassified up and then the hours were taken down is that right so a loss of 0.13 in the library and that's how you get to the 1491 great thank you okay uh, so that's some of the 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 highlights really tied to your August work session I'm going to turn it over to Simon right now who's going to go through uh, some of the future concerns we have Good morning. Uh, before we get into revenue and expenditure, the next few slides will uh, walk you through some of the long-term planning concerns that we see, uh, items that are mostly out of our control uh, that have a significant impact on the budget. Uh, so the first you see uh, six issues here, really they fall into three categories. Uh, we have what uh, the total value of property is, uh, what percentage of that property we can tax, and then uh, significant expenditure items that fluctuate quite a bit from year to year, uh, fuel, healthcare costs, and the like. 
so the first one, uh, the next few slides will all be tied to uh, property tax reform that we saw in 2013 that we uh, talk about every year. We're still in the midst of that being phased in. Uh, the most significant impact to us was the reclassification of apartment buildings. Uh, so prior to 2013, these were taxed at 100% of their value, um, that they were considered commercial properties in FY13, um, that, or 2013 for FY15, that was broken out from commercial into its own property uh, class, and each year a lower percentage of that property is taxable. So for FY21, uh, that will be 71.25%, again, down from 100 just a few years ago. Uh, for one year, uh, just for fiscal year 21, uh, the approximate impact to our budget is $2.5 million, and there is no state backfill tied to this whatsoever. Uh, and so that will drop each year until FY24. Uh, that's when it will match what the uh, uh, residential uh, taxability is currently. Um, the cumulative loss uh, through fiscal year 21 uh, is over $8 million. Initially, we projected a 10-year loss of $15 million uh, for this one provision of property tax reform, and we are exceeding that. Um, right now, we're tracking to be uh, north of $16 million, um, but uh, that will potentially be uh, greater by the time we get to FY24 as well. Uh, so I talked a little bit about the uh, residential taxability. This fluctuates from year to year. It's tied to a number of things, including uh, overall growth statewide, um, um, somewhat inexplicably, the value of agricultural land uh, is tied to this as well. Uh, and so uh, it's really a number that we have no control over and does fluctuate from year to year. Uh, in fiscal year 2009, it was low as 44%. So if you think of the residential between FY23, or the multi-residential rather, between FY23 and 24, uh, dropping from 63% to match whatever this is, uh, we don't know at this point whether that's going to be 44% or 50 58% or um, what have you. So it could be a very significant drop in the multifamily uh, taxability in that one year uh, that we are doing our best to prepare for. Uh, and so that's what this next slide is as well. Uh, you see the FY21 numbers there right now. Residential properties are taxed at 55%. Uh, multifamily is, is at 71%. So if it were uh, the year where that would drop off uh, to match uh, today, that would be a 16-point drop in multifamily taxability in one year. Um, and that, again, will hit in fiscal year 24. So we're halfway through property tax reform right now. Uh, the state does backfill some of the dollars lost from property tax reform. Uh, this is not the multifamily piece. This has to do with the uh, commercial properties went from 100% taxability to 90% and have stayed at that 90% six since. Um, right now, uh, that's about 1.5 million uh, that the state reimburses the city annually. Um, but there have been pieces of legislation introduced in the last couple of years that would phase this out um, for us. So we have to make sure that we're preparing for, at some point in the future, uh, the potential loss of $1.5 million a year um, into uh, largely our general fund. And you see the breakdown of uh, all the uh, levies that that would impact. 
Um, the equivalent of that in a single year, that's 36 cents on our property tax levy. Um, as an order of magnitude, we're very proud that we're able to drop um, our levy this year, our proposed levy this year for six cents. So 36 cents is obviously very uh, significant. Um, and the equivalent on the expenditure side would be 13 and a half FTEs in public safety. Um, so at that, you know, as Jeff just talked about needing to open up a new fire station, that would be a staffing cost for an entire new fire station right there. Now, again, on the revenue side, um, we have had uh, incredible growth in recent years, which has helped us weather the property tax reform provisions, especially the multifamily piece. Uh, this both uh, increases the value of property in the city that is taxed, so um, our revenues have been growing uh, commensurate with that. There are also uh, building permit fees, uh, which we just mentioned fund staff positions. So, you know, for instance, in 2016, uh, that growth in uh, construction and the permits associated that with that was something around a million dollars in the general fund that we can use um, to support operations or uh, grants or what have you. And we have some averages broken out here um, over um, different eras. Uh, 2016 is not represented in those averages because it was such an outlier, uh, close to $400 million in construction value in a single year. Um, but you can see that we're um, falling down a little bit above, but uh, kind of plateauing um, closer to the 2012 to 2015 averages, and we would expect, um, if anything, that to drop a little bit in the coming years, but certainly not to get back up to that $388 million range. Um, and there is a note on the bottom of how much of this is non-taxable. This does include, say, uh, school district buildings um, that we do not collect property taxes on. So um, it, it's still a construction growth in our community, but not all of these uh, new buildings, new facilities are taxable for us. And then finally, on the expense side here, before we get into specific revenue and expenditures, uh, we have a lot of volatile costs from year to year that we cannot predict, um, or we cannot predict um, uh, very well. Um, the first one there, fuel, this one has been on the positive side lately, but you see the note there that um, five years ago, uh, it was three quarters of a million dollars more um, for fuel costs in a single year than we're seeing today. And it would not be surprising to see that go back up. So we have to maintain some capacity some flexibility to be able to um, weather that if um, uh, if that were to rebound to the higher uh, prices. Uh, the snow and ice management the last couple of years, this is obviously something that we've all been very aware of, but uh, that's something the weather we cannot predict that impacts our construction projects, it impacts our uh, snow, ice, leaf removal operations. Um, so for 2018-2019 snow season, uh, the salt, sand, salt, sand, and overtime cost uh, increased $100,000 uh, over an average year. And so again, that's something that uh, we can't predict year to year, so we have to make sure that we have the capacity to pay for that. Um, that's something that we have to do regardless of what the cost is. Similar to fuel for our buses, price goes up, it is what it is. We still have to run our buses, we still have to clear snow from our roads. Uh, the last one there is the most uh, impactful from the last several years. Uh, over the last five years, healthcare costs have increased by 47%. Um, you know, we talked about the uh, needing a supermajority vote to exceed our, uh, our expenditures by 2%. You know, this is something that when you work it into the personnel costs that um, is incredibly significant and again, can't be predicted. Um, we did have a few years of positive 
positive um, healthcare costs, but being self-insured, you know, we have a bad claims history, um, and that can increase uh, significantly going forward. So um, that is, those are some of the items that we need to plan for going forward, we need to be cognizant of, and I'll turn it over to Ashley now. She can talk about the revenues. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. Simon, I, I guess if you go back to big 20, I just want to understand the residential rollback <laughs> is it's changing. Is this like the assessment value of the houses, or this is being gained by the state too? I, I don't understand this. Sure. Um, I think of the assessed value and the taxable value as two different things. Uh, so you have your home's value, say it's uh, $100,000, yes. $200,000. Um, if it's a single-family home, of that $200,000 value, uh, in this year, only 55% of it is taxable. Uh, so uh, to make the numbers easy, let's say it's a $100,000 house, we'd only collect taxes on 55000 of it. Yeah, I understand that. Mm -hmm. But the, the, my question is, why is changing from year to year? You know, like, yeah, that is the state. Because, because the assessment is changing, that's why, you know, the value is changing. That's why, you know, the taxable value is changed as well, right? Or that taxable value is tied to a number of things. Um, I think of it as kind of a black box that the state feeds a bunch of numbers into and it spits out the taxable percentage. It's tied to uh, the increases in agricultural land. Um, it's okay. tied to statewide uh, residential homes can increase more than 3% um, from one year to the next. Uh, so to try and keep the actual tax bill for people people relatively flat. Uh, what it came out of was in the 70s, we had seen um, such rapid uh, inflation that uh, values, dollar values of homes were increasing and thus the taxes were increasing so quickly that people, especially on fixed incomes, uh, couldn't uh, afford the increase in their tax liability. So the state tried to flatten out how much of that could change from year to year. Um, but it is based statewide. It isn't, you know, in Iowa City residents values increase 9%, so therefore we're going to draw back the uh, taxability of it. It's a statewide number. It's tied to what happens in sure. Council Bluffs or um, any other city in the state. So, okay. uh, And there are a couple other things it's tied to. It's, um, yeah, the, the state gives us that number annually, okay. but it's yeah, not yeah. the local assessor. Okay, that's good, yeah. That's what I want to know. Thanks. <coughs> so I will turn it over to Ashley now. Great. Well, I, as Simon said, I get to talk about um, revenues and expenditures and some of the trends we're seeing here. Uh, so we have just a, a basic chart that provides an overview of our all, all of our funds uh, and the revenues that uh, go into those funds. Um, Johnson County Auditor performs a property assessment in odd years. So every two years, we see kind of a, a new fluctuation or increase in, in property values. Um, so this year's valuations over, overall increased by about 11.8%, and typically it's close to about 7.5%. So you see this increase, a percent change of 9.3%, and so that's where that increase in property tax um, valuations are coming from. So despite the, the rollbacks Simon talked about, our tax reform impacting the multifamily properties, we still see that, that increase. Uh, other city taxes see a slight drop there. That's mostly due to a uh, drop in, in TIF revenues. Um, and that generally fluctuates over time. It's been a recent trend. We've seen a little bit of a decrease. Uh, licensing and permits, we had a good year in our building permits to see that little uptick in growth. 
We have use of money and property, so that's a decrease in income from interest. Uh, we have intergovernmental, which is a decrease in state and federal revenue, so just based on our capital projects and the, the things that we're doing there, we just have seen a, a decrease this year there. Uh, we have charges for services. Those are our parking fines and fees, library fines, um, just a small little bit of growth, and that's mostly due to administrative internal chargeback uh, changes. Then we have other financial sources, and we see another uh, about close to 10% decrease there, and that's um, due to a decrease in home sales from our university program. So uh, the carrying costs and, and those things from our, our housing uh, contribute to that revenue source. And when we have fewer properties than we've had in prior years, we see that, uh, we see that change there. So overall, we've got a, a decrease in revenues of about 3.8%. Here's a, a picture visually of all of our funds and, and the sources that they come from. I'll just hit on the, the fact that it shows the proportion of our revenue sources. Um, we have charges that includes uh, utilities, water, solid waste. We have intergovernmental revenues. As I said, it comes from a lot of uh, state state grants, entitlement funding like CDBG and home and the road use funding. And then the bulk of our funds, as you see, are made up of property taxes. So digging a little bit deeper into our general fund revenue sources, that's our discretionary fund, um, we are seeing a, a slight increase, and we'll dig a little bit deeper into the hotel motel uh, tax. It's kind of that teal area on the left uh, for 5%. It's a nice source of revenue, but as you see, it makes up a very small portion of our general fund expenditures. Um, and that split, of course, between our Convention and Visitors Bureau, about 25%, 25% to Parks and Recreation, and then about 50% uh, allocated to our police department operations. So um, we have 7% intergovernmental. Those are our grants, our, our agreements with other government agencies. Um, we also have our charges for service make up only about 2%. So a lot of those can be explained because they go towards our enterprise funds. So the, the waste, utilities, all of those things. Uh, we have miscellaneous revenue sources. So that's um, chargebacks to our CIP and enterprise funds are, as I said, our parking fines, um, those sorts of charges. And then uh, we're heavily reliant on our property tax. As you see, it's 20, it's two thirds of our general fund revenue. So when we think about um, our ability to manage our, our funds, a lot of that comes from our, our fluctuation in what those property taxes look like. Um, it really depends on you know, the, the state rollbacks and, and other factors. So I'll orient you a little bit here when we're talking about property tax trends. Uh, the green bars here show uh, the growth in taxable valuation year over year. And then the thin gold line shows our property tax rate as we have set it uh, since fiscal year 2012. So 
we see a relative pattern here and uh, the even years are non-assessment years so uh, where we would expect the the valuation to increase less than in years of of uh, assessment so years uh, 17 19 21 show considerable growth compared to the even year 16 18 20 and uh, we do anticipate a drop in, in growth again in fiscal year 22. So usually that drop would be about two to 4% or so, uh, or, or stabilization, I should say. Um, but over time, you see, we've made this specific, you know, very intentional uh, move to reduce that property rate. And this chart does a really nice job of showing what, what that actually looks like. Okay. We've got uh, our overlapping tax rates. So uh, we're not the only ones in, on the tax bill, and uh, we're just one component. And, and ours is made up of the, the school district, Iowa City Community School District, our Johnson County and Kirkwood. Um, very, very small percent for the state of Iowa, a special levy. So um, we have dropped our rate, our property tax levy, over the last eight years and we make up 41% of the, of the tax bill. Uh, so here it shows, again, um, year over year, a look at what this tax rate or this trend looks like. Uh, the boxes show the proportion of who, who makes up that tax bill. Uh, so we are on the, the top portion of that, and uh, the school district is a larger on the bottom. Uh, so the line shows the dollar amount and the percent of that tax bill. So you see we start kind of at the top towards the left and, and have over time trended downward as the, the percentage of our tax bill. And we project that the city will continue to see a drop over a continued drop over the next couple of years, but probably won't see it as significant a drop as we as we have come from, uh, it'll likely stabilize over the next couple of years. So here we have a, more talking still about our property tax levies, um, a comparison between Iowa City and the other large cities throughout the state of Iowa. So um, the column on the left, uh, or I should say the, mo the most left number column uh, are our most recent tax rates. Uh, the middle is showing fiscal year 2012, that's the height of our property tax levies in, in recent year. And um, it's just showing the percentage change here, um, showing that we've had the highest decrease in, in property tax levy over that period of time. Um, we have come towards the middle of our, of our taxes and um, So again, we might see a, a drop in future years um, below a couple of the other cities, but we won't see a, a big drop. Um, we'll move on to the levy breakdown. So um, we have a combined general fund tax levy shown in the chart. That includes our property taxes, our tort levy, transit levy, uh, the library levy in that first box, 9.61. Uh, we have our employee benefit levy uh, this year, we're proposing a 10-cent increase in that uh, levy for employee benefits. 
anecdotal, a lot of, like we talked about, the pension cost uh, increase in staff to help cover that. Uh, the emergency levy is now listed there, uh, going from zero rate to uh, 24 cents. And then uh, the debt service levy, we're dropping from 2.978 to 2.578, 40 cent drop, leaving us with a, a decrease in total uh, levy of six cents. So more information about the emergency levy. Uh, the state permits a, an emergency levy of up to 27 cents after our general tax levy is, is fully utilized. Um, it's a generally common tax throughout the, the state of Iowa. Um, it's used by 45% of our cities here, so uh, varying in all sizes of, of community. And um, But cl those closer to us in our community, over 50%, or I should say 50% of the cities in Iowa, over 50,000 population, were using the max. Um, we, we don't see any cities that are are utilizing the emergency tax and not maxing, uh, maxing that tax rate. Yeah. Quick, quick question. In this uh, chart, you've got the general fund tax levies all combined into one, and I know there's multiple ones. Yeah. Are we maxed out at that 9.61? I, I know there's uh, the a bulk break. of it is maxed. We're maxed in transit. We're maxed in the library. We're maxed in uh, the uh, general fund. General funds 810 of that right. 9.6. Uh, so I would say yes. Maybe the tort. Is, which is a really tiny levy. We might have some capacity there, but for the most part, you're you're locked in at that number. Okay, that's what I was that correct, Dennis. Are you? Yeah, and I'd say the the tort liability is limited to what <laughs> we're spending that upon. Okay, which is right now pretty much even. So there's not much capacity to raise that. Okay, and thus those expenditures would increase as well. Okay, so what I just wanted to clarify for the public and for council is that. We don't really have any room on that general fund tax levy. I mean, that we're basically maxed out there. Yeah, the eight, the eight ten okay. levy, which is what generates right. property taxes for the general fund, has been maxed for years. Years. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Mm -hmm. okay. okay. Moving on. Uh, we have major revenue sources. Um, as I said, the hotel motel is a nice um, is a nice place to find revenue. Um, we see small growth here. Um, Towards the right of the chart, the fiscal year 2020 is when we saw the closure of the Sheraton Hotel to renovate for the Graduate Hotel. So since it's been open um, over this past year, we've seen a nice bump in uh, revenues generated. And um, future revenues are going to depend on the influx of the new hotels coming on, the, the market for hotel rates on a, on a daily uh, on a daily basis, and um, we'll just see where uh, the competition for the for those average nights uh, leaves us. We we expect that it'll probably be around around this much. We're not expecting a, a big jump in hotel motel growth. We've got our major revenue sources. Here's our utility franchise. There's a nice comparison of, of our utilization of the utility franchise fee um, in comparison to other cities. We're at 1%. Um, you see a, a fluctuation in the bar chart. Just um, typically we see fluctuations based on weather. So um, the colder a winter is, the, the higher your utility franchise 
tax revenues might be uh, and vice versa. So as we look to um, as we look to modify or alter the the um, ability for homes to, to use different energy sources, that may also uh, change what we see a little bit in our utility franchise revenues. Finally, we've got... Go ahead. I have a question. Yeah. For the utilities, the 1%, is that the one in the, like, the 1% usually we use it for what kind of, that's called like an energizing fund or something like that? What's the, what's the name of the fund that, one, when the 1% utility we charge on the bill? Uh, it's, it's the utility franchise tax, and the council can designate how that is used. Um, currently, we use the bulk of it. Uh, it was passed to, to help fund the addition of Fire Station 4. Mm -hmm. So at the time we opened Fire Station 4, there needed to be a revenue source to pay for those firefighters. And this, the bulk of those funds do that. I think there's some that go to forestry, and uh, is there some road maintenance? Uh, electrical there? undergrounding. Uh, electrical undergrounding. Uh, but yes, that's a that's a tax that the council can uh, authorize. Uh, so you can increase that to up to five percent and specify the use for that. And that will lead me to the question on bag number thirty-two. Well, you said the emergency is plus point twenty-four cent increase. That for the for the cry. Uh, Climate crisis, the nine hundred. Okay, and the word emergency sometimes say like one time, but this is not gonna be one time, right? This will be like over years. Yeah, the the, the levies are set annually, and yes, you can you can scale those uh, as you see fit. So if if uh, next year, or two years out, or three years out, whatever it may be, if you decide you wanted to scale back the use of the emergency levy, you can. Um, you can repeal a utility tax, and you can add a utility tax too. Um, so I'd say they're both scalable. You're not. You committing. mean if we. Just for example, if we increase the, the utility tax from 1% from to 2%, we can also use that money for the, for the climate action. You could, and that was something we considered. We, we could have recommended moving this to 2% and not using the emergency levy. We opted for the, the, the property tax, but um, if council would rather uh, move to a utility fund to fund to, to the climate action initiatives, you certainly could. We liked the uh, property tax, one, and because it's, it's not as regressive as the utility tax, and, and two, um, it, you, it is, I, I, I maybe say more scalable from year to year. You could go from 24 cents to 20 to 15 to 20, you know, based on the specific actions right. of the climate uh, you know, whatever we, whatever actions we have coming up from year to year, we can scale that, um, that, that levy a little bit easier. When it's 1%, it's 1%. You're going to get the 900,000. You're going to get the million whether you need it or not. So we liked, especially early on with our new climate initiatives, having the ability to, to scale that. You know, if we shoot too high this year and we really don't think we need a million to accomplish our plan, we can come back next year and only ask for 500,000 or 750,000. Yeah, sure. To do with utilities. Yeah, I just was trying to see like what the public will like better is to increase their property tax rate by 24 or yes, increase their utility tax by 2%. Sure. 
I think it's really important with the levy breakdown because there was some reporting, I think, that was incorrect about yes. this as well. But the fact that our overall property tax levy is going down right. by six cents because of significant um, debt service reduction. So even though we're adding that 24 cents, the overall levy is going down, right. which is pretty impressive. Yeah, it is. Do of we, course, yeah. Do we have any idea what um, what the school bond issue is going to do to the to the overall tax rate? I mean, I know that one of the reasons that, that I think one of the reasons that we're working on continuing to reduce the levy is keeping something like that in mind, so the property tax rates don't jump. Yeah, that's that's certainly been on our mind the last few years after the bond issue was passed. I, I don't know where the school district rate is is going to go. Uh, they're certainly benefiting from the growth in assessments, just like we are. Um, we anticipated after the, the, the referendum passed that their rate would go up, and thus we felt if we could bring our rate down and balance that out to, to the point you just made, that, that's better for the public. Um, but at this point, we don't know where their rate's going to end up. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Question. Got just a couple more for you. Um, we've got our table key. Cable TV franchise, uh, just a, a chart showing the decline overall in the last several years of that revenue source. Um, historically, the franchise fee has been used to support our cable TV operations. So about five years ago, we began working this revenue into our general fund and uh, combined our cable TV operations with our communications division. Um, and you know the incorporation of their operations into communications has gone very well. They do excellent work. Um, they've been creating a lot of good projects and have a lot of beneficial uh, cooperation. So uh, we'll continue to invest in our in our cable and communications uh, despite this decline in, in revenues that you're seeing here. Um, we also note that um, you know recent. Changes in the um, FCC has also made what these revenues uh, look like in the future a little uncertain. We've got our revenue sources, the road use tax. Jeff uh, touched on this, this, and all I'll say about this chart is that between 2015 and 2016 fiscal years, uh, the state gave us a 10 cent bump. That's why you see that kind of jump in, in revenue there and it's been fairly flat since that time we're really hoping that um, the census information that comes in uh, the census results will give us another bump here in our road use tax we got our local option sales tax uh, this is a summary chart showing the large cities in Iowa uh, not on the chart, but also included as Cedar Falls. They they use their uh, lost taxing for road use majority. Uh, this past year, Des Moines passed a lost, and it made us the only one of, of the largest cities without uh, this revenue source. Um, the state new law, it's a new law that requires 50% go to property tax relief. And uh, as you see in the, the chart, the, the bulk of these large cities use their revenues for street repair and some other infrastructure repair. Is there a reason why or an overall reason why we did, don't have a loss um, after the 2013 
We tried, and it was voted down. Voted down. And I would encourage us to give serious, serious consideration to it um, as we go through our budget to look at putting that on the ballot. I think um, when you look at the fact that we're the only large <coughs> municipality in the state that doesn't have it, and the how it's going to the it's going to increase in difficulty to lower our property tax rates. Um, we're, we're kind of, I think as Ashley has mentioned and Jeff has, we're, we're getting pretty near the bottom of how much we can reduce our property tax rates uh, without some other significant revenue source. Um, we went through a lot of things, but I, th I think we should seriously talk about it and I think explain to the public that this is nowhere near as regressive a tax because of all the exclusions. Um, so without going into the weeds today, I just hope we'll make that a serious discussion as we go through the budget. Mm -hmm. um, I would agree with Susan. Uh, among other reasons, because every time we go somewhere else in the state, we are paying into their lost funds, mm -hmm. uh, but we are not getting any funds from others who come here. All right, on to expenditures. We'll buzz through here quickly. Um, so this chart, just simple, showing the categories upon which we we project our expenditures. A lot of attention is paid to the efforts. Kind of, kind of we talk a lot about our economic development initiatives or cultural initiatives, those types of things. But you see that they make up a very small portion of, of what we're spending our, our funds on. Um, the bulk of it is uh, on our operations, that column on the right, uh, our major projects, our, our capital projects, and on public safety on the far left there. Here's a better breakdown, another visual breakdown. You see we're a very uh, labor-intensive organization, so we can't do a lot of the work we do without people to do them. Um, and it's showing that, you know, in end points and times where we might find difficulty uh, in, in keeping our budget, it's really difficult to cut meaningful dollars without cutting personnel and, and positions in that, in that case. So here's a more specific breakdown of our expenditures. We've got uh, the uptick in personnel that you see is uh, due to the salaries, benefits, pensions, uh, health insurance spike over the last couple of years. Um, then we have the slight decreases in our services, supplies, and capital outlay. Um, it's not necessarily due to reduction in um, our needs for services, our, our vehicle rentals, our, you know, the, those types of activities, major building repairs, we still have all of those things going on, but um, it's a, a lot is due to carry forwards from the prior year. So things that we didn't get to this year, we need to, to carry over into the next year. And so really our budgets are approximately equal, but um, but you see that the decrease, which makes it look like we're spending less. Um, and then we've got uh, just the explanation for our financial uses. That decrease there is due to the, the homes sold through the university program. So by reducing the number of homes we're carrying and, and working on, um, we see that decrease in, in that other financial uses. Uh, contingency is just assigned as 1% of our, of our general fund. We've finally, I'll, I'll talk about pensions and uh, our contributions to there. Um, it's been pretty steady over the last couple of years. We haven't seen jumps in our pension contributions like were required, and you know, kind of you see that 
big increase from 2012 to 2015. Um, the markets have been fairly fairly good and and leading to, to us contributing a little bit less. But uh, when we add staff or the market fluctuates at all, uh, we see changes in our pension costs as well. This, is, this shows um, police and fire, by the way, um, and overall the percentage change in our costs are about 3%. So. Uh, finally, we've got the IPERS contribution, and uh, we've seen growth in, in this area in recent years because of, uh, again, the added staff and increase in, in those pension costs for IPERS. Um, the usual increase is about 3 to 4%, and we're looking at, um, you know, we had a big jump last year, about 12%. This year is projecting about close to 6% increase. So um, I'll leave it at that. Okay, just uh, three quick slides on debt service. Um, I think the main thing to take away here is, and Laura mentioned this with um, the emergency levy uh, compared to the debt service levy, uh, it's important to know how much of what we've been able to do on city council initiatives over the last several years has been done on the back of uh, reduced uh, debt service costs. It's lower borrowing, it's restructuring and refunding, and a lot of what we've been able to spend, especially on one-time initiatives, has been done by reducing our expenditures in debt service, uh, basically by reducing the amount of interest that we're paying to banks and putting that money into services. Um, so for this year, we're recommending a drop of 40 cents in the debt service levy, um, which accomplishes both the 24 cent uh, climate action uh, levy and the 10 cent increase in the employee benefits levy. Um, here are uh, three indicators. We have uh, three numbers that we look at um, when we are looking at the debt service levy. Um, uh, one is a state cap. We cannot um, uh, have a debt service levy, or we cannot. Um, uh, we can't borrow more. Than we can't five. borrow more than five percent <laughs> of our total taxable value. I'm sorry. <laughs> You'd think I hadn't done this before. Right now we're under 20%. That's a, a, a very low number. Uh, that's a lot of capacity there, but again, um, you know, it, that doesn't make it wise. 5% is the state limit. If you start getting close to that, then you're in trouble. So um, we're comfortable around the 20% level. Uh, Moody's has a benchmark that they use um, uh, for uh, total outstanding debt at uh, three quarters of a percent. Uh, we're closer to 1% right now. This number has fallen significantly over the last few years. Uh, 0.75% is a, a low target to hit, um, but we're getting much closer to it. And the final one here is that this is an internal policy that the uh, debt service levy uh, will not exceed 30% of the total property tax levy. Uh, right now we are at about 16%. Uh, this has been closer to the 30% even in the last eight or nine years. Um, we were talking about this morning uh, since um, the, over the last nine years, uh, we had to increase this. Uh, when I started with the city, our 
internal policy was 25%. We bumped that up to 30, um, but now we're falling back to um, a better, a more comfortable uh, level for us. Uh, next two slides are just our Moody's uh, rating compared with other cities in the state and the country. Uh, the first one is nationally, uh, and these ratings that you see here are only investment grade ratings. There are a number below uh, BAA3 um, that are considered uh, junk bond status, uh, a lower percentage of cities in those. So if you add up the percentages across the bottom, it may not equal 100. Um, but we are um, in the top 9% in the country. We're one of uh, 238 cities uh, in the country that Moody's rates as AAA. Uh, and it is important to point out that uh, we don't necessarily have the profile of uh, a typical AAA community. We have a lower median income um, than uh, most of the cities that have this rating. You typically see them as kind of bedroom communities, suburban areas. Um, so we're very proud that we've been able to maintain this uh, AAA rating. Uh, next one is for the state. We are one of only three cities in the state uh, that currently has a uh, AAA rating. The other two are West Des Moines and Clive. Again, kind of that um, you know, suburban uh, higher income uh, community. Um, so again, we're very proud that we've been able to maintain this and uh, that we think that uh, continued uh, responsible budgeting will be able to do so. And so I'll turn it back over to Jeff for final analysis. Okay, home stretch, here we go. Uh, this is our enterprise fund balances. Okay, so I'm gonna try to orient you to the slide here. Um, again, these are uh, a sampling of our business accounts. These are the, the operations that we run, the, the fees that they um, charge or what support their operations. And what we're looking at here is basically the long-term health of these. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna focus in on a couple here. We don't need to go through all these, but transit is something we're gonna be talking about quite a bit in the coming year. Um, you can see that uh, we are running a surplus in transit. We have been for some time, a few hundred thousand dollars. And you can see we're carrying uh, two different uh, fund balances. And the difference here is we have a restricted fund balance, which means that that savings that we have, basically it's our savings account in transit, is dedicated for a specific purpose. In this case, it's for a new facility. And we're hoping to use this $5 million to leverage a federal grant uh, to pay for a new transit facility. So if and when that grant opportunity comes, we can say we have 20% match, 25% match, whatever it is, and hopefully have a more competitive application. The unassigned fund balance uh, would be discretionary to use within the transit fund. So as we maybe need to invest in uh, new buildings or you want to make switches to electric vehicles, uh, you can use this. But think of this as kind of your one-time funds, right? So we don't have 1.7 every year to spend on transit. We're generating that kind of $300,000 surplus right now. Um, and that's kind of your, your ongoing. So uh, transit's pretty healthy, and we feel pretty good about that, but you're gonna see a lot of pressures, uh, a lot of demands asked of you uh, when it comes to that uh, time to discuss the transit study. Uh, our wastewater and water are below them. I, I think that they're, they're both pretty healthy funds. Um, I wanna talk about refuse. You can see refuse is kind of the opposite story right now. We're bringing in under four million and we're spending more than four million on refuse. There's a deficit there. Now it's not necessarily an operational deficit. We've been buying a lot of carts lately. A lot, a lot of carts. <laughs> so um, we won't have to, these expenditures will come down. Um, but with this budget, we are recommending a 90 cent per month increase in our recycling because uh, there has been a significant boost in recycling with the changes that we've made and the 90 cents will help support uh, uh, some additional staff resources there to, to uh, help with that. Uh, the next one uh, where we have a fee increase is the landfill fund. 
I'll point out the landfill fund uh, looks, uh, if you just looked at the aggregate fund balance, you've got $25 million in savings out there, but we're required to keep 24 million. So there's, there's closure requirements for landfill. Basically when it comes time, when your landfill's full uh, and it can no longer be used, you have to have savings to properly close that. Uh, and that's a, that addresses a lot of environmental, long-term environmental concerns. So mo most of the, the uh, landfill um, savings can't be, can't be tapped into. Overall, we feel really good about where we stand with our with our business accounts. Jeff, I'm sorry. Before you go on, uh, we've got a pretty large, in my perspective, restricted balances both in wastewater and water. Can you comment quickly what those are in reference yeah. to? Dennis, is that? Yeah, uh, those represent a couple of things. Um, the one that's the most restricted there is our debt service funds. So when we issue revenue bonds, we're required to set aside funds okay. uh, for the repayment of those and the security on those bonds. Okay. Uh, so that represents a, a good portion of that balance. And then something that um, we just started doing that we had not done that's new to this budget is the creation of uh, essentially depreciation and replacement okay. reserves. Okay. And so um, something that uh, we've not done is actually set aside funds to replace infrastructure right. and replace buildings, and therefore then you have to borrow funds uh, to replace those in the future. Yeah. So we actually have uh, started to create those replacement reserves so that we do not have to do that in the future. Okay, thank you. With this budget, there's a few user fee changes that uh, that we're recommending. Um, we, uh, with the last year's budget, there was a two-year water rate increase. So actually, we already have a 5% water rate increase that will take effect July 1 without any further action by council. We also have a 90 cent uh, uh, fee increase for recycling. Uh, that's a, a monthly fee there. And then a, a tipping fee increase of $2.50 at the landfill. And again, a tipping fee is basically the, the fee you pay when you come in to dump uh, your waste there. And that will help uh, support the, uh, the, the operations out there. We talk about growth. There's also growth throughout Johnson County. And remember, our landfill is a countywide landfill. So they're not only uh, dealing with the increase uh, in waste recycling, compost from Iowa City, but Coralville, North Liberty, and all the other cities in Johnson County, too. Uh, property tax impact. Uh, so we're going to start getting into the impact of, of some of the, uh, the the levy decisions that you need to make here. And I'm going to just call your attention to these first two uh, slides first. So will we use a $100,000 assessed home just for simplicity purposes? So you can multiply that as you need to, to estimate a housing impact. So we have last year's budget and this year's proposed budget. Same value house, $100,000. The taxable valuation, that's that rollback figure that Simon was talking about. It went from 56% to 55. So with this new budget, residents are actually going to pay a, a smaller percentage of um, taxes on a smaller percentage of their home. You can see our levy rate decreases too. So if you assume that the value of the home stays the same, the person living in that home will pay $32 less per year to the city of Iowa City. Again, I can't speak for what the school district and county and Kirkwood may do with their levies. Okay, so we typically give you this comparison, but because we've had such high valuation increases, we added this second column here, and I've highlighted it in blue. 
uh, we took the average annual assessment, and that was about 9.1%. So that $100,000 home is now worth 109 on average in Iowa City. You still got the benefit of the rollback, but they're going to be paying taxes more because that valuation has gone up. And despite the rollback and despite the levy reduction, you're going to, they're going to be paying $47 more uh, per year uh, in taxes. So while it's great that we're able to reduce our levy, I don't want you to walk away from this meeting thinking that residents will be paying the city less. Because assessments have gone up, that more than counters the drop of only six cents to our levy. Uh, so I think probably the more accurate representation is that you're going to be asking with this budget, the city will be asking uh, homeowners to pay $47 more per year uh, for those city services. Um, Jeff, what, what's the median, what, what's the city's median house price or assessed value, I guess I should say? Uh, 200, yeah. So, so double this, yeah. $100 a year yeah. is what. Yeah. So as you think about the levy and what you're comfortable with, just, just kind of keep this in mind. Uh, what we do with this slide here is we add in uh, the utility cost too. So we try to look at the bundle of costs that the city charges. So we have property taxes and we go to stormwater fee, refuse fee, sewer water. So from fiscal year 20 to 21, um, in this slide we're assuming no growth in the house, right, for simplicity purposes and comparisons year over year. Uh, it's a, basically a wash from year to year. Now again, you can add, knowing that, that residential assessment growth, y you know that um, the property tax number will go up, as we talked about on the last slide. So it's probably more of a 4% uh, increase with average assessment growths uh, from fiscal year 20 to fiscal year 21. This does show the increase in the refuse. So the recycling fee is going to cost you $11, uh, roughly, uh, next year. And then the water rate increase uh, will cost you about $20 uh, that, that we have planned per year. We, uh, we talk a lot about building uh, critical reserves, and I'm, I'm really proud of uh, the, the work that the council has done over the last several years to, to increase our reserves. We do have an emergency reserve that was created about maybe 2014 or so. Our balance is $5.2 million. Uh, we've used this in recent years to acquire some properties in, in the floodplain that we couldn't get state and federal assistance for. But here are the list of uses. Council, you can, you can use this uh, for any of these purposes listed above. Uh, disaster response or mitigation. Uh, if we were to suddenly lose the backfill, uh, we could plug that hole uh, with these funds in order to avoid laying off staff and taking other drastic actions. Um, any really sharp spikes in those volatile line items that Ashley and Simon talked about, we, you know, you could plug those holes with this. And then any other emergencies that come up, you could tap into this 5.2 million. Uh, we've also created a facility reserve. This was new with last year's budget, and with this year's budget, the balance would go to $4 million. Um, you know, we've talked about this in the past. It's really difficult for us to um, move forward with a lot of our facility needs uh, because there are significant, in, in many cases, referendum requirements where you have to get 60% of the voters to, to approve that. So when you think about a new equipment maintenance building, 
it's going to be really hard to go to the public and say we need $20 million for a new equipment maintenance building. It's hard enough for elementary schools and rec centers. Uh, it's going to be really hard for police and equipment and, and facilities like that. So we're really making an effort to build our facility reserves um, not to eliminate the need for referendum, but hopefully if and when that time comes, the public knows that we have a good portion of that saved and our ask uh, has a, a, a reduced impact on the public, right? So if you're looking at a $20 million police station and you have to communicate to the public what that, uh, during the referendum process, this is what it's going to cost you as a homeowner, if you can cut that in half by saving through this reserve fund, it's, you're hopefully going to you know, pick up a few more votes and get closer to that 60%. Um, because of the growth that we've experienced, the uh, need for facility replacement and, and renovation is, is growing pretty rapidly. Uh, we're very thankful for the council's support with the new Public Works Streets building. I've listed here, as I look at 10 years, here's some things that we're going to need to address. Uh, we don't have anywhere else to put new police officers, uh, new police support staff. Uh, we've got one officer working out of the, the rec center, uh, our community services officer already right now. Uh, transit, I think you all know that the need to replace there and equipment maintenance, those are on our old Public Works campus. Some significant rehabilitation needs at the Senior Center. Uh, we've talked to you in the past about uh, the need to expand fire services with two new stations. Uh, one would be a replacement station and one would be a new station, but those are you know, probably four to five million dollars a pop uh, pretty easily there. And then uh, pools and rec centers too. So there's probably more facility needs than we can handle here. And four million dollars is great, but four million dollars isn't going to pay for much of anything on this list. So um, I encourage you to stay stay committed to that. And I think in two, three, four, five years, if we can get this number up, we can make some significant um, headway on these facility needs. And that not only improves services to the public, but it improves working conditions for, for your staff. Uh, and right now we have some operations uh, that, that just don't have, frankly, very good working operations. I'd encourage you to you know come along on some tours when we offer them to, to equipment maintenance or to uh, fire station three or the police station and, and just take a look. And I think you'll, you'll see that they're, they're just no longer meeting the modern day needs of, of employees and, and the public. So I'd like to talk to kind of wrap up about next year's budget. Um, we, we won't see the type of growth that we saw uh, with this year's budget. Uh, again, as Ashley mentioned, it's not an assessment year, so we won't see the growth in taxable value uh, that we would see in, in this, this year. And as I've communicated to you, we are seeing our growth numbers start to start to go back down, to normalize. Um, and that's, that's pretty evident with the way the market is right now. We think the utility funds are pretty stable. You're not going to see sharp uh, 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 spikes there. Debt service, there may be a little bit of wiggle room in there, but we're talking pennies and nickels now. We're not talking quarters and uh, half dollars uh, like we have in past years. Uh, the facility reserve we talked about, uh, climate action, again, we've got kind of a placeholder figure in there now. We need to find our groove. We need to get our team assembled. We need to get the commission's input, the council's input, and we'll have to figure out if that million-dollar numbers where we need to be or not. Um, we will have adequate funds to continue to carry out our, our uh, master plan initiatives. Uh, we're very careful about trying to present master plans that, that we think we can afford, um, and I think we've, we've done that with the bike and parks master plan. Uh, 
uh, but you'll continue to see pressure. The, the growth in this community is happening, and we're still playing catch up on that in a lot of staff operations. There's two items uh, that you know are coming your way uh, that I think you'll need to take up mid-budget year. I don't want to wait till next budget session to really tackle these two. Our transit uh, study recommendations will be out this summer. Uh, they're going to be uh, like largely or likely recommendations for Sunday service, expanded hours, um, fare-free, uh, all those things councils need to consider. They're going to be very costly. Uh, it's going to be very difficult. It's going to be impossible really to meet those within the current financial parameters that, that we have for the transit. So we're going to have to make some changes if we want to meet those service uh, demands. It could be increased property taxes. Now our transit levy is maxed out, but we could look to the general fund and employee benefits levy and things like that to take up some of the slack. Uh, you could look at your utility tax rate. That's that 1%. Um, but where I would encourage you to look when the time comes is our parking fees. And I really think that we could generate uh, some, some money uh, through our increase in parking fees uh, uh, to, to pay for expanded transit service. And I think there's a good nexus and connection uh, uh, between those. So uh, we'll get into a little bit more of that. But um, understand that's kind of where staff's mind is right now, that if you want to do the things that I think you want to do with transit, you're going to be having, probably have to think long and hard about um, some increases in our, in our decks and our meters and our monthly parking fees. Uh, we are uh, very close to finishing up our roadway uh, maintenance study, so it's a, uh, uh, it's a um, condition index review uh, that we've had a consultant do. It's going to present to you um, how our road conditions stack up and what the projections are uh, going forward given certain levels of funding, right? So you can think of a, um, a study that's going to say these roads are in good, fairly good, average, poor condition. And then if we want to keep that level uh, steady or increase it, um, it's going to tell you how much more you need to put into roadway funding. Uh, I've seen the preliminary draft. Um, surprisingly to me, our roads stack up very well compared to the 10 largest cities in, in Iowa. Um, they all do. The state does condition index for, for every city, uh, roadway condition index. And uh, I think we're only behind one other of the larger cities in how our average road conditions stack up. So we're not alone in fighting the, the challenge that we have because uh, clearly we know that our roads need quite a bit of work. But the, 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 the study's also clear that uh, if we just stay status quo, we're losing ground. So you're not going to be able to hang on even to what we have with this $2 million in resurfacing and occasional use of, of, of uh, CIP dollars to, to do that. So uh, council's going to have to weigh what's your appetite for uh, another revenue source. And, and as uh, we've hinted and, and uh, a few counselors have mentioned, local option sales tax is probably something that you should consider. I think the public could uh, get behind that uh, for roads um, and potentially other uses as you see fit. Um, and it's certainly something that other cities have proven to be uh, successful with. Uh, a couple of just uh, summary highlights. So with this budget, uh, we continue the affordable housing funding at a million dollars, which is which is really impressive. It, it's, it feels routine now, but I'm telling you, it's not routine. You're not going to find other cities in this state that are putting the money that, that this council is towards affordable housing. <coughs> We've increased the aid agency program 25%. You'll have to decide if that's sufficient or not, but certainly staff feels that that's a significant boost to this program in one year. 
Uh, it aggressively funds uh, the climate action and adaptation efforts, which the, the community and the council has called for, makes a huge investment in, in staff. And again, I can't, I can't tell you how appreciative staff is uh, uh, of you for actually listing this as a priority and for considering these recommendations. We talked about minimum wage, temporary to permanent conversions, new staff, and, and with the facility um, uh, reserve uh, increase, uh, an effort to save to improve uh, working conditions for, for our staff, and then the master plans that we've talked about. This budget also includes stronger reserves. It, it helps us avoid significant spikes in utility and user fees in the future by, by tweaking a, a couple of those uh, fees in a very small way. And it continues to reduce the tax uh, levy rate, that should say tax levy rate, um, uh, bringing uh, us more in line with those other uh, large cities, which um, has been a council priority really uh, since 2012 when we really, our rate was second highest in the state amongst uh, comparable cities and second only by, you know, uh, only by not, not too much. We've really brought that down and while there's not a whole lot more room to go down, uh, council should feel really good about that long-term effort to get where we are. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, oh. We can answer questions. We've already got a list working on other items you want to discuss. Uh, I, I have a question. I know that we are increasing this year the uh, employee benefit tax levy 10 cent. Uh, last year we reduced it, and this year we are increasing it 10 cent. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, that's almost will generate it like 500,000, right? It's about a penny for 40,000. Oh, yeah. Is that right, Dennis? Roughly a lot, yeah, like. 40, 50,000. What was it? 40 or 50,000. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah so. If we said 50,000, that's 500. And uh, I know that we are adding like 9.26 employees. Are you budgeting that for these employees or, or for the 14.6? Because increasing it 500, and we have new employees. Yeah, so we have the 5.78 and we have the 9.26. Yeah, so the increase, it, it, it covers a whole range of, uh, 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 of those costs. I don't think we necessarily separate it out. We kind of look at an aggregate, what are the benefits projected to be, and then we um, adjust the levy rate as needed. Okay. Dennis, is there any? Yeah, no, I mean, that's correct. But, you know, we don't break out by individuals for like, this is for temp, this is for permanent. We look at the cost of all those benefits and what is needed to fund those. Um, and, and so that's how that rate is determined. No, I don't ask if you are doing it for the temp or for the full time. I'm just uh, asking you, is this enough for the new employee that you already projected for the new, like you said, this is will cost the hiring of those people. Yeah. That's yeah. why it is it 10 cents. Yeah, no, yes. that, that's all incorporated into there. So when, okay. when you know those levies are set and the budget's prepared, we look at what all those costs are for everything that's put into the budget. Uh -huh. So everything that, that Jeff mentioned in that presentation is funded through the proposed revenue sources and property tax rates. Okay, like if we approve all those, we don't need to right. add Correct. any more taxes to the employee. Budget. Correct, and okay. on the flip side, if you decide you don't want to add that many staff, we would probably bring that levy rate down a couple of pennies. Yeah, okay, and we did not budget um, the 10.6, which is the temporary on that yet. Correct, so if we, 
go back to that slide. Sorry, it's at the beginning here. It is 14. Um, the top half of that is what has been approved uh, both mid-year from council. Mm -hmm. uh, so the ones in green here um, are what were previously approved. And this one, this is the only new one with this budget. Sure. Uh, one, this one was, one. when you looked at this last year, this position was down here with all the others. Uh -huh. These four we're not recommending moving forward on um, here. And that's what that cost is there, that 430. And we'll get you a breakdown of how that, how that looks. Yeah, sure. Thank you. All right. Well, thanks to all of you um, for your presentation. Thank you.